0: It's Monday, August 5th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're looking at the mass shootings that happened over the weekend in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. We'll connect the dots on how this is being investigated and why there are calls for Congress to come back from vacation to talk about it. Then, India is revoking Kashmir's special status. We'll explain what that means. And finally, why Hong Kong had a tough Monday commute. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about the two tragic mass shootings that happened this past weekend in the U.S. The first one was on Saturday in El Paso, Texas. An alleged gunman killed at least 22 people and wounded 26 more at a Walmart. The suspect was arrested. The second mass shooting was early Sunday morning in downtown Dayton, Ohio. At least nine people were killed and 27 more were wounded. In that shooting, the suspect was killed by police. Two mass shootings in less than 13 hours. We've been hearing about the lives lost, like the mother who died while reportedly shielding her two-month-old son from the El Paso shooter. Her husband, the baby's father, was also killed. His family says he may have been protecting both baby and mom. Among the victims of the alleged Dayton shooter was his 22-year-old sister. We're likely to get more stories and details in the days and weeks ahead. But a lot of people are asking, what's being done in response? And what's not being done? That's what we'll break down today. Let's start with what's happening in the immediate future with the suspect in the El Paso case, the guy who's alive and in police custody. According to reports, right before the shooting began, he allegedly posted an anti-immigrant manifesto in which he warned of a Hispanic invasion of Texas. Just a reminder, in case you haven't looked at a map of Texas recently, El Paso is about five miles from the southern border. Its population is 80% Hispanic, and seven of the victims in Saturday's massacre were Mexican citizens. Yesterday, the U.S. attorney in charge of Western Texas announced that in addition to possibly bringing federal gun-related charges, his team was, quote, seriously considering bringing federal hate crime charges too. And he said this. We are treating it as a domestic terrorism case, and we're gonna do what we do to terrorists in this country, which is deliver swift and certain justice. So people may be referring to this tragedy as domestic terrorism. But when it comes time to press charges, Committing murder in the name of white supremacy is not treated the same as terrorism by a foreign hate group. Domestic terrorism as an act is technically not a federal crime. Some law enforcement officials have pushed to change the law. To call it like it is and make domestic terrorism a federal crime. But that would require congressional approval. And lawmakers are on summer vacation right now. But some elected Dems say they should come back to Washington anyway, right now, to find ways to prevent more mass shootings through new laws. There's already a bill up for grabs that would close the so-called gun show loophole, which allows people to buy guns at gun shows without a background check. Another bill on deck would extend the background check process. Right now, if gun dealers don't hear back from federal investigators about somebody's background check within three days, They can just sell them the gun, no questions asked. The second bill would make gun dealers wait another week. Democrats helped both bills pass the House earlier this year, along with support from a few Republicans. But Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has refused to let the Senate vote on them. The Dayton shooter was taken down by police officers within less than a minute, but still managed to kill at least nine people with what police are calling his assault-style rifle. A ban on assault weapons expired in 2004. There are also calls to re-up that ban. On Twitter, President Trump called for strong background checks, but didn't say exactly what that meant. And in remarks this morning, he was pushing for red flag laws. Those are laws that allow judges to order guns to be taken away from people who are deemed a risk to themselves or others. And he also called for bipartisan solutions. Pointing to the El Paso shooter's manifesto, he said, In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. In that same vein, Trump pledged to support the FBI in preventing domestic terrorism. The agency recently said it had 850 domestic terrorism cases on the roster, many of which involve white supremacists. But the agency has reportedly had a hard time getting a grasp on this problem. But there are also calls for companies tied to these kinds of violent acts to step up. And some are. One of the websites that's become a breeding ground for white supremacy is called 8chan. It's where the alleged gunman posted his anti-immigrant manifesto. Today, the website's network provider dropped 8chan, calling the site a, quote, cesspool of hate. There are also calls for Walmart to stop selling guns, since that's where the El Paso shooting took place. They stopped selling assault rifles back in 2015 and raise the minimum age to buy guns to 21 after the Parkland shooting last year. But at this time, Walmart says it's not changing its inventory or policies. So what's the skim? On a global level, this is not just about the U.S. anymore. Mexico's foreign minister says the country is threatening legal actions against the U.S. in response to at least seven Mexican citizens being killed. Mexico may try to extradite the alleged gunman to face trial in Mexico as well. In the U.S., we're still getting more details about what exactly happened in these back-to-back mass shootings. And there are a lot of numbers out there about how many shootings like them have taken place this year. It can get kind of confusing. But big picture, there have been a lot. And just one is way too many. If you're hearing about Kashmir, it's not about the comfy wool sweaters. Kashmir is a mountainous area that spans the tip of both India and Pakistan. The two have been fighting over it for decades. It's in the news today because India just got rid of Kashmir's special status, its political independence. There's a Pakistani part of Kashmir, but today we're talking about the Indian part. This all has to do with Kashmir's history. Let's back up a sec. India was a British colony until 1947, when it split into majority Hindu India and majority Muslim Pakistan. Kashmir's leaders wanted independence, but when Pakistani tribes invaded, the other two-thirds of Kashmir joined India and accepted Indian protection. India and Pakistan had a full-fledged war over Kashmir in 1965. A ceasefire calmed things down, but the tensions didn't go away completely, and they bubbled up again earlier this year. In February, a terror group that wants Kashmir to join Pakistan killed 40 Indian troops in a suicide attack. The back and forth between India and Pakistan had the world on edge, mostly because both countries have nukes. So what happened today? Well, throughout this whole time, India gave Kashmir some special rights to keep the remote region happy. They let Kashmir write its own constitution and have its own flag all while protecting the region with the Indian military. But in a surprise move today, India mixed things up. It said Kashmir would lose those special rights. Supporters of Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi and his Nationalist Party are thrilled. They've wanted to unite Kashmir with the rest of India. But not everyone's on board. Here's how members of the Indian parliament reacted when the interior minister made the announcement today. What is Kashmir saying? Basically, told you so. Its former chief minister told the BBC that Monday's decision proves Kashmir should never have joined India in the 1940s, or trusted that India would let it keep its special rights. And Pakistan isn't pleased either. The country's foreign minister has already called Monday's actions illegal and said India is playing a very dangerous game. According to local media, India is deploying 8,000 troops to Kashmir and has the area on lockdown. There's also concern Monday's decision is actually about something bigger, that it's about changing Kashmir's identity and power structure. Right now, Kashmir is more than two-thirds Muslim and less than a third Hindu. Another law thrown out today banned outsiders from buying property in Kashmir. Now, more non-Kashmiri Indians, who are mostly Hindu, could start setting up shop there. And that could change Kashmir's religious makeup and who has influence. If you think your Monday commute was tough, Hong Kong is like, check us out. Protesters basically brought transportation in Hong Kong to a standstill today. Activists shut down the roads and blocked trains from leaving the station. More than 200 flights out of Hong Kong's international airport were canceled. Hundreds of thousands of workers were stuck. Hong Kong police fired tear gas into the crowds to get people moving. And there were dozens of arrests. This is part of just the latest chapter of protests that have been going on since early June. It all started with a controversial extradition bill, but after that was tabled, the protests expanded, Now, protesters want the police force and the government to be investigated, and for Hong Kong's leader, Carrie Lam, to resign. But today, she just called for calm. This is the time for us to rally together to set aside differences and bring back order and say no to chaos and violence. Over 400 people have been arrested since June. The situation is being called Hong Kong's worst political crisis since it was returned to Chinese sovereignty. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from your new flying car. Earlier today, a Japanese electronics company showed off a flying car's test flight. It doesn't really look like a car though, more like a big drone with four huge propellers, and just three tiny wheels. And it didn't really go anywhere, just 10 feet above the ground, in a giant cage. For less than a minute. But in the future, these cars could be used for everything from disaster relief to transportation at a luxury resort. The Japanese government has set a goal to get everyone ready for liftoff by the 2030s. That's at least 45 years after we saw flying cars in Back to the Future and almost 70 years after the Jetsons showed us theirs. So it looks like the future's finally catching up with us. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to subscribe and rate and review us online. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.